from the trenches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry. My name is David Boyer from Change GPS. Joined with me, Paul Meisner from Freedom Mentoring, and we are brought to you by BGL, Australia's number one corporate compliance and superannuation software. Paul, I'd say like it was a monster week in accounting. I almost said football, like the old footy show days, but probably not as intense as the week before. Going going a little bit quieter. Hello, listeners. Hello, all. Welcome to another week. Um, interesting, David. I can't even remember. I lose track. Days feel like weeks. But I, I think for me, for me and my clients, for my clients and I, the rules haven't. We, we've got all the rules we need. Now we're just busy. But we accountants love compliance. We love a good checklist. We love a good process. Now we sort of just need to punch out the work. But. Uh, we're not having more of those sort of uncomfortable conversations or, or those, I don't know what the answer is, kind of conversations. So I do feel like it is a uh, just a more normal week in that sense. Still cray-cray, but uh, still crazy. But, uh, but, otherwise, but otherwise pretty good. But our regular, uh, back in our best and ground, we've just come off you recording your rant uh, which will be out, I don't know, this week sometime, whenever we whenever we do it. David, get us kicked off with your best on ground. Best on ground. Best on ground. Uh, quality lessons from GST. I love this post. I've had a bit of a rant, Paul, about the lack of quality content on LinkedIn, but I did find one from a legitimate expert, Scott Charlton, who together with Sharon McClafferty runs Slipstream Consulting, uh, has made a comparison against the GST introduction back in 2000. And now last week on the show, we said, look, this is much more intense, but we have, you know, the older, um, older, the 25-ish odd years in practice would have experienced GST. And what's so good about this is six quick tips. Number one, educating our clients for free, but without a logical next step is foolish. Educating your clients with a logical next step, which is, hey, here's what you need to know if you want me to do it here's how how you can engage us, was a way to go, and it's something that can work again. Uh, Warned against overdoing the free assistance. I think the free assistance in the first couple of weeks is probably what burned so many of us out, myself included. Number three, training the team in the new rules. That is a tough one. Uh, Speaking to a lot of accountants who are exhausted at the amount of time they've had to spend with their team over the last couple of weeks. Uh, is tip number four, using standard templates but provide tailored advice. I love that one. Like don't automate the whole thing, just automate the easy bits. Uh, number five, don't think only old heads can learn new rules. You know, empower your younger team members. Number six, leaders should focus on what happens next. I'm not sure anyone's thinking about what happens next just yet, but I did like these very leveling out tips from a man who was around when it happened in 2000, Paul. Look, I like it. I think it can be taken some pretty good tips. The GST came, was it had a lot of warning, had government assistance in the way of a $399, $499 check, which, uh, of course, pretty much threw my ob into the stratosphere because they very quickly pivoted back 20 years ago to price all of their software at exactly a dollar less than the stimulus check, uh, which was very smart of them back then. Uh, clients back in the GST 
yes, they were busy, but they weren't going through an overall period of, of distress. You know, I think it was something that the clients had to reluctantly do. I, I, I feel like I feel like the the connection is somewhat limited by the fact this sprung up. It's got an awful lot of distress involved, and you know, I, I don't think that there's not even time to learn our own rules, uh, train ourselves on the own rules, little rather than get together and have team meetings. Forget the fact we can't get together with our team, you know, and and train the team. The, the timelines just don't happen. Standard templates. You can't build a standard template because the the the, the goalposts keep moving. I think. I think. No, I think some of the points. Are there's cool, some standard templates, but but they but when's the latest template? Like this is the thing. This is this is happening. No, but you had employee employee declarations, employer declarations. All that stuff was templated. The uh, Lecclegia completely automated it. She had a digital signing where her clients had to sign. Um, eligibility forms, which I thought was pretty impressive to get that whipped up as quickly as she did. Oh, look, there are certainly certainly there is, but uh, but I think we, we do we do live in a uh, we do live in quite a, dif- a different a different time. Uh, so well, same same the, the pace, but a little bit. I think different. GST they were talking about for twenty years. The pace of this has got nothing in common with GST. I, I kind of. Um, uh, yeah, I think we've got more lessons about how we learnt to manage our clients in the GFC rather than how we learn. For me, the impl- the introduction of GST is a bit more like STP. <laughs> David. <laughs> oh, wow. Bang. David, ready? Are you Kicking ready? Kicking with both feet here, Paul. <laughs> I learned I learned more <laughs> I learned more about uh, about COVID-19 from the GFC than I did about STP from the GST. Whatever. Anyway, I had a go. Didn't really work. So uh, have, a, have a couple of have a couple of red wines and say that yeah, ten times. Fast. I'm going to try not to. I might write it down for for a post somewhere. Uh, my best on ground, David. We do mention zero a lot. Uh, I use it uh, exclusively in my firm. Um, the JobKeeper calculator. They came out with a turnover calculator uh, as a result, obviously, of the turnover test for the government stimulus measures. I saw a very uh, a very early version and gave it quite. Uh, robust feedback, I think, is the term that most people um, <laughs> d- d- describe describe the way I suggest things. Uh, they v two. This is. I also say, David. The problem is with seeing v one of everything of anything is is really hard. Um, but certainly, they were building out uh, and took some of the suggestions from the people that had tested it, and and now it's really good. The ability to choose different months and different cash versus accrual. Look, it's a very good, um, it's a very good reference and a very good tool. I tell you what, though, uh, a little bit. Be careful what you're good at, because the next time they say they can't build something quickly, or you know they they can't they can't actually get stuff done. Well, I think it might be the old, jeez, uh, the the job keeper calculator came up pretty quick. Uh, the the job keeping calculator is fantastic. Um, they've done it very very well. And um, as usual, I had a I had a chat with somebody about um, feature public feature request boards, where and Zero's got this. You can you can put your feature request up, and it kind of gets upvoted and commented. And the theory being, the more it's requested, the quicker it gets developed. 
But the problem with it is that everyone can just see that you're not developing stuff that people are asking for. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this double-edged sword of accountability and, transp- and transparency. The whole voting system never worked. There's a whole history to that, which we won't get into. Ooh. Um, anyway, it's, it's, it's shocking. Uh, your favourite. Go on. You love your favourite. I cannot understand why this is best on ground. So can you please explain it to me? The link will be in the show notes. So I'm I'm obsessed with Anthony Pratt's social media accounts. Now he's and I'll reiterate why. He's a billionaire, he's an actual billionaire who runs his own social media. And I believe that he runs it himself because uh, this it's filled with spelling mistakes. It's all over the place. He comments on whatever he feels like and I love it. And occasionally he gives business advice. When a Billionaire goes to the effort to give business advice on his own personal, like his his own personal account, free from lawyers and free from all this. I just think it's worth listening out. That's my obsession with this. You know, this isn't a wannabe billionaire. This is a, a guy who's done probably one of our best, probably one of our best business exports ever, depending on where you stand on Rupert Murdoch. And he's got this post up. He takes this long view. It was January 1991 that I came to live in America, lowercase i. That's why I think he writes it himself. So for anyone who ever has a go at me for the typos I do with social media, it's good enough for a billionaire, leave me alone. Could you make Weird. the funny? Could you make the money first before you commit the spelling mistake? Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. <laughs> anyway, he tells this story about this ridiculous vision that they had in America to grow Pratt Industries. And he, he ends the little parable with, we took a long-term view in capitals. I don't know what's going to happen in, in the business world over the next five years. It's a, a very brave person who will definitively say, here's what's going to happen. I think many people are planning for different outcomes and different scenarios. But the message that he's trying to say here is, right now, for every decision that you make, keep your long-term view, stick to your strategy, stick to your vision, and try to get your way through it. And I, I think it's a really reinforcing message for everyone who's making decisions every day about their businesses, in the case of accounts and bookkeepers, their clients' businesses as well. And I've, I had to Google it, given that we always pay attention to each other's um, stuff. I finally worked out, it did seem like he was senile. senile. Uh, his post talks about a vision <laughs> to build mulligators and specialty plants. I, I thought he'd lost it. Quite, I, uh, just for the a bit of useless trivia, a mulligator is a combined paper mill and box plant. So under one roof, he can he can combine the uh, create the cardboard and then feed it into seven different finishing machines to create boxes. There you go, from recycled cardboard. That's what he was talking about. Quite interesting. Um, uh, so at least I understand what he means. Uh, every, every now and again, your obsession with like machinery and robots just. I want to see it now. I it's in Atlanta, it. but I want to see it. Oh, uh, my! He's got check check his LinkedIn. He's got these awesome videos of drones going through it. It's amazing. I might have to. I might have to hit you up for the link. Anyway, there you go. Uh, I've, I've, very good. Very good. Big big fan of Trumpy as well. He posts all these photos with him and Trump. I feel, I, I drinking. Has it to guess? He maybe got a few nice little tax breaks by investing in Middle America and creating some jobs over there, mate. A lot, a lot. Uh, cool. My second best on ground. Denmark 
has announced that companies registered in tax havens will not be eligible for state aid programs during the pandemic. Love it. This is a, comes from a Bloomberg article. Uh, the government also said, I'm quoting the article, said that companies which pay out dividends, buy back own shares or are registered in tax havens won't be eligible for any of the aid programs, which now amount to a total of 400 billion kroner when including loans and guarantees. This is my argument about the cruise ships, David. Um, uh, and I think one that the Treasury oh, Obviously, used, I, knew, I could see that's where the conversation was going, cruise ships. Well, cruise ships are all obviously flagged in Malta or very low tax jurisdictions. And the first thing that happened when all the passengers got sick, I would have gone, go home, and your home is wherever your ship is flagged. Um, interesting also with the Virgin about uh, – whether or not Australia saved the airline, given that it is, I think, 90% foreign-owned. Um, I'll have to check that. I know it's a, a fair bit of foreign ownership. Uh, nice to see that Denmark. And, and I think more um, more countries should be like, we will, we will uh, dish out the aid in proportion to the amount that you contribute to our economy. Yeah, well done. That's what I think. Love it. Uh, what else you got, mate? Um, just a quick one. Mailchimp doing something really interesting with security. If they're trying to get their users onto single sign-on and they're offering a 10% discount, well, we received a 10% discount if we signed up to single sign-on for Mailchimp. It's it's a, I like it because it's sort of rewarding you for financially rewarding you for, for participating in behavior that the company wants. But like you said in the pregame, why don't they just enforce it? Uh, thank you for bringing my uh, my point in front of me. Uh, everyone else just makes it mandatory, mate. Like I, I think that that never offer a discount if you don't have to. Uh, my final best on ground, and we really need to say a massive bravo to Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand. The institute almost rolled off my tongue, but we're not allowed to say that anymore. The, they've done a monumental effort. They, and I just want to focus on the CA program. They had 8,500 students enrolled in the CA program who were due to sit exams. Now, obviously, you can't sit an exam right now. Can you imagine? Think about how hard your CA was. You work your butt off all semester and then you can't sit the exam. It can't go to Flemington. Can't go to Flemington. Can't go to the racetrack. I had, a, I had Mooney Valley as well was one of my exams. Mooney, yep. The... You can't – so can you just like oh, – oh, geez, you work your butt off and then you can't sit the exam. That would delay your career. Mentally, you'd have to get yourself up again to study again, which would be unbelievably challenging, not to mention the terrible impact that has on employers by not having people go through the program at the pace you need them to. Certainly the big firms who rely on you getting your CA to add an extra couple of hundred bucks on your charge-out rate. I might be embellishing that a little bit, although maybe not. Um, and what they've done, they've got all of their exams online, not just through a Zoom call, but they've got this platform that's got AI sitting in the background that can tell where your movements are looking off your screen or off your reading material. It can tell if there's somebody else in the room. It has alerts if you're away from your desk for a, certain, for a longer period of time than it's reasonable to have a bathroom break. And it's, you know, the monumental effort that this would have taken to get this off the ground in a really short period of time has protected almost 10,000 chartered accounting students 
and, and it's just a great job. On top of that, CA has been getting 3,000 people on their webinars, on their technical content webinars. They've been getting um, a lot of community-style webinars that have been absolutely being uh, sold out or packed. I don't think you can sell these things out. And, and this just is not the year where we need to be saying, what do we get from our CA membership? I think they have done an exceptional job, Paul. Yes, fair enough. I have heard that, that a lot of that uh, technology, Big Brother's watching, certainly in a, in a fair bit of that. But no, look, uh, very good effort given that the CA program is so important to, as you said, not only the, the students but also the employers uh, well done. Shows that look, there's all these uh, organisers. I did see a great. I saw a great cartoon which was a a boardroom window up in a high rise saying, um, "What is it? There's not a current need to make any changes." And out the window, there's this refic- wrecking ball with the uh, with the words COVID nineteen stenciled on it. It's quite quite apt, I think. A lot of people pivoting very quickly after having years and years of saying, "No, nah, we can't quite move that quickly." It's amazing, isn't it? What you can do when you're when your back is against the wall. Let's get to it. Worst, Worst. on ground. On ground. Go for it, mate. Get us leading today. Oh, okay. Go for it. Uh, I'll tell you what, the ATO's done a stellar job. They've been best on ground about 15 weeks in a row. Finally get them into worst on ground. But here's what I'm putting them in you're worst hard on ground man. for. The JobKeeper application is so easy that business owners are just jumping on it and the user experience is so good thinking that they've applied but they don't know if they've actually applied following the right rules. And it's kind of like the AT is almost, after copying it for a long time about how hard it was to use some of the services, I know you love OzKey, but it wasn't the prettiest thing of all time. Um, this thing's so easy and it's causing a bit of a problem because a lot of business owners are signing up thinking that they've signed up when maybe they've only registered or they haven't done the right thing. Uh, they're almost like a victim of their own user experience success. I think it was it was interesting. One of the, one of the things that's probably made it quite hard. I mean, it, it is very easy. I, I think it's the there was a register which was really just putting your name down on a mailing list, but it it made it sound like you'd because you put your ABN in. It it did feel like you had registered. Then you still needed to enrol. And then you need to put data in in order to trigger it. Was, it was it sort of uh, was very hard to build that quickly, let alone communicate it. But I'm with you. It was, oh, I've I've registered. Well, have you registered? But or enrolled? I don't know. I just registered. Well, are you sure you didn't enroll? Was it two steps? It's like, oh my god. Uh, but that's why they pay us the big bucks, David. That's why you. That's why you should charge for it. Uh, see sarcastically. Uh, insert link to in depth topic. Uh, uh, but anyway, ATO doing a stellar job. Uh, I won't have you talk badly about them. Uh, clients did <laughs> did think it was quite easy, though. Um, uh, for me, interesting uh, report talking about PwC talking about um, volunteering, and I use that in in inverted commas, uh, volunteering their staff out to a uh, a government funded national tax clinic. Uh, not sure how much the government are paying to have these uh, these staff there voluntarily. Obviously, great for the staff that they're volunteering for people who need assistance in this time. Uh, PwC are providing, I don't know whether you can be said you can provide staff when your staff are volunteering, which means that neither you no, presumably, we don't know, knows that you, uh, means that you normally 
you or nobody is paying that staff member. Uh, this is also at a time where the big four firms are cutting pay but not actually cutting the hours. So you've you've given the staff less money. They've, uh, they've you've kept their hours. You're giving them and you're forcing them to volunteer uh, at a uh, to get experience. I'm not sure. This for me is something trying to trying to increase the brand. When you go really like, aren't you the ones who just cut your staff's pay without cutting their hours? And you you tell it you're forcing them to go work. Uh, at a help desk and this and calling it volunteering. Makings. I don't know. It has all the makings of like, you know, we, oh, we're in a bit of crisis mode because we're copying it for what we've done with our pay and treating our staff badly. So let's do something to make us look good. Oh, yeah, charities, that always makes us look good. Yeah, just cooked up in a PR boardroom. Oh, you and I were on a call with uh, BGL, arranged a call with you and me and a few other of our friends from around the traps and Kylie Parker, who is Kylie X Deloitte? I think so, yep. one of the big four. Yep. Uh, we had a chat. There's going to be a lot of talent spilling onto the market over the next six months, I think. A lot of people realizing, you know what? You guys actually don't care about me. I've been here for two, three years. You're on my CV. I'm out of here. I'm never going to be partner. I'm done. Yep. No, agree. Anyway, very interesting. Uh, I, I put a tweet out today. Edmund Tadros had put an article up about um, the, the pay. The point I raised, David, which was, if fair work, if the fair work minimum rules say that you can't cut, you have to guarantee someone's hourly rate. If you cut their pay, you have to cut their hours. How are all these big four firms getting away and big business getting away with it by cutting pay and not hours? I mean, clearly there's some enterprise bargaining agreements that are that have traded away some of the protections of the minimum award. I reckon there's a – I've asked – uh, Edmund, whether or not uh, there is a bigger story there. Uh, ripper point, Paul. As always, using a little bit of knowledge of the rules around compliance to uncover a little bit of... What's apparently alive, David. Surface. Apparently alive. <laughs> it's about, I have a feeling it's doing quite well. Uh, my final worst on ground comes from a classic line, a joke that my dad has used on me, but he's 100% right. You know... Marketers are scrambling to produce obscene amount of content right now. You know, we've both said if we get one more COVID nineteen hub, oh. or here's what we're doing for COVID nineteen email. Oh, it's uh, a lot going on. Uh, one of the other emails, one of the other topics that everybody's loving writing about is mental health. My dad calls me up and he goes, "If I get one more email asking me how my mental health is, I might actually lose my mind." And we had a bit of a laugh. I said, "You know what I need for mental health." I need to make some decisions, I need to do some work, and when I'm finished my work, I'm going to go for a walk. Yeah. That's how I'm going to look after myself. And I just thought, you know what, that's it. That's how we look after ourselves. That's how right they now. used to do it, when they walked through the snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, get, no, it's very the true. They're a bit more resilient. <laughs> he did say the day after, what is it, We're two days after Anzac Day, so maybe he was very, he was, he was channeling Gallipoli when he gave me that message. No, look, I, I think it is interesting. Some people, I, I think we, we certainly do need to talk about mental health because uh, it is it is a major issue. It is something that I, I'm not sure whether we can talk about it too much. Uh, we are certainly talking about it a lot, but I think, it, no, but, I think but it's important. You, but, but there's a point. If you, talk, you, I think you can talk about it too much. If you, the average tax agent's 59-year-old male, average, 
not, not a demographic known for wanting to talk about their feelings and what's going on inside. I, I don't disagree, David. I, I reckon, though, if it helps, uh, if it helps a small percent, I'm willing to 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 annoy with saturation a larger percentage for for the price of helping a couple that are sitting there just that actually need it. I'd agree. I'd agree. Good point to leave right. it. What a week. Uh, please. Look after yourselves, everyone. Stay safe. Stay indoors. Uh, stay helping your clients. And otherwise, if you need anything, reach out. Uh, otherwise, have a great week. See ya. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at Paul Meissner underscore or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the trenches.